I think people have to see that public education is and should be the foundation of a democracy. Our country should educate every child. And it means that whoever comes to our door and uh, our responsibility is to educate them. Welcome to Bridge the City, a podcast recorded in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Our mission is to bridge together people, resources, and ideas that inspire Milwaukee to action. I am your host, Casey O'Hollick, and I am with producer Ben Rangel. Hi, Ben. What's up, Casey? And today we have an election special for the upcoming school board primary here in Milwaukee. Yeah, I'm super excited to learn more about the different candidates, but we should start by saying that today's episode is a bit different from other election specials. We're not going to hear from all of the candidates this time around, so what are we doing instead? So instead of interviewing all eight candidates in the contested races, we are starting off with a school board explainer with Larry Miller, the outgoing MPS school board president and District 5 director. Larry does a fantastic job discussing the ins and outs of what it means to be an MPS school board director. And then we've got something special. Yeah, that's something special. It's something you definitely want to stick around and listen to because after the interview, we'll learn more about the specific candidates running in those contested races. But if you're short on time and you're already an expert on the Milwaukee Public School Board, feel free to fast forward around the 28 minute mark to hear about those candidates. And even though at Bridge the City, we hype the local elections, we know that often the races at the local level don't get a lot of attention. So you might not even know if your district, if your specific district has a contested race. Fear not though, uh, we have all that info. Yeah, so districts four and five are the districts with more than one candidate on the ballot. So if you are in those districts, you have an election in just a few weeks here, February 16th, you got to vote. District four, that's sort of west of I-43, north of I-94, all the way to the Milwaukee border with Tosa on the west-hand side of that district uh, and going north to Keefe Avenue. Um, Some schools that are in district four include Hartford, Our Uh, North Division High School, Milwaukee College Prep, and Keefe Avenue School. The District 5 boundaries cover River West, Harambe, the East Side, and Brady Street neighborhoods, and some parts of downtown. Some schools in that district include Hartford University School, Rufus King, Cass Street School, Riverside University High School, Go Tigers, and um, Goldemeyer High School. And so if you're a visual learner, though, feel free to check out the uh, link in the show notes to see the district maps as well through the Milwaukee Public School Board uh, website. Mm -hmm. And if you're on the fence about participating in the election, maybe you don't have school-aged children or are unaffiliated with MPS, know regardless of your connection to the school district, this election will have important consequences for all Milwaukeeans, and our guest Larry Miller makes a great case for that, too. Larry, I want you to imagine somebody's listening to this episode and they have zero idea what the school board is or does. Can you just start listeners off? Uh, one, introduce yourself, I should say that. And then let listeners know what exactly does the Milwaukee Public School Board do? That was a um, teacher 
for Milwaukee Public Schools before I ran for the board in 2008. Started in 2009, and uh, before that, I was a factory worker uh, and community organizer before uh, becoming a teacher. So I've had a lot of experience. <laughs> the Milwaukee School Board is an elected body that uh, sets policy for the public school system, Milwaukee Public Schools. Uh, right now, we have 75,000 students, close to 160 schools and nearly 10,000 staff uh, with a budget that is over 1.1, between 1.1 and $1.2 billion. Our budget approaches the budget of, of the city, not quite as large as the city, but it approaches it. Um, and the job of the school board is to uh, oversee policy. There's one citywide position that gets elected every four years, and there are eight districts to get elected every four years. Now it's alternate one year, uh, one time it's four positions, another time it's five positions. Right now in the um, election that's uh, coming up, the um, primary is February 16th and the actual election is April 6th, is for four seats. Uh, my district, which is on the east side of Milwaukee River West and the Harambe King Drive over to Highway 43. So it's the north side uh, from Highway 43 to the lake, and then it goes into downtown area. So there actually are a number of people that actually live downtown in, in uh, high rises and apartment buildings. So it's, uh, it's a really interesting uh, uh, district that uh, I've been elected to for the last, for the last 12 years. And, um, you know, I think it's time for, for me to move on and to uh, elect somebody younger uh, to come in and uh, uh, show you know, give some new ideas. And then you did sort of allude to it. So just a quick clarifying uh, point for listeners, the Milwaukee Public School Board is separate from the city of Milwaukee in terms of governance. I think a lot of people think of local government, they think of the education system, but uh, it's separate from the Common Council and the aldermans that also are elected locally here in our city, correct? Correct. Yes, it is. I mean, there's three local governments. You have the county government, you have the the uh, school board, public public education, and you have the city. So my question is about the day-to-day -day responsibilities of a school board member. So this is a part-time position. Some members or candidates might have other full-time jobs. And then also, is this a volunteer position? Is this a paid position? Um, and then can you talk about those day-to-day -day responsibilities of a school board member? Okay, so you're not required to put any particular uh, specific number of hours. Different board members, those that work uh, full-time, have families, uh, put in different hours and do and uh, organize their time differently. Do a lot of uh, work over the phone, and of course, uh, with COVID, uh, uh, we're all doing a lot of work on our computers and over the phone. I've you know I'm zoomed out. Uh, I zoom every day, zoom meetings, all sorts of things. So um, it is a paid position. It's eighteen thousand dollars a year, so it's not excessive. But uh, you know we encourage. Low-income folks, people that don't have a lot of income and have to give up some income to be board members. There's been debates over eliminating that or, or lowering that. In fact, it was lowered considerably from around twenty-five thousand to eighteen thousand, uh, actually before I got on the board. So, but it is paid, and there is health care uh, provided uh, while the person is on the board. Um, so, your job is to is to create policy, and the way the board organizes itself is there. There are three departments generally uh, uh, major areas 
in the district. One is the administration that's overseen by the superintendent. The second is accountability that we have a director. And then there's what we call board governance that actually oversees the work directly of the board. And so what we do is we organize a constituent component because eight of us are elected from districts. And so we respond to to those constituent components, just like the city does. But of course, we're voting for policy for all of our schools, for all 160 of our schools. So we have to oversee uh, all of that work. So we try to respect each other's uh, districts, but we have to consistently look at what is the policy uh, that's going on for all the schools. And then we're set up into committees. We have uh, a finance committee, a uh, strategic planning committee. We have a a committee that over... Uh, that it oversees curriculum. We have a what's called the PACE Committee, uh, Parent and Community Engagement. And so each one of those committees is, is overseen by a board member. And there are four other, besides the chair of it, there are four other board members on each one of the committees. And we divide up all the policies and reports every month. Most of the committees meet every month and uh, uh, there's a whole, there are a whole series of agendas that are brought to those committees regularly, but there are also requests from board members for reports and for uh, possible uh, resolutions that are put forward, motions that are created to actually uh, advance policy. And so, um, uh, in addition to the podcast, I'm also a high school government teacher. And one of the things I teach students about government is that there's sometimes a disconnect between policy and bureaucracy. And so, you mentioned that the school board, their main responsibility is to, to pass and decide and discuss policy. But I'm curious about, you know, your perspective. You're on your way out after 12 years on the school board. That's a long time to, um, you know, get... Uh, be in the weeds of things in terms of talking policy. From your perspective, how much like influence does uh, a specific or an individual school board member have on like the daily life of a, of an MPS student? And, and another way to think about it could be like, you know, do you find that the policies that are passed by the board like are seamlessly implemented through the through the bureaucratic? entity of Milwaukee Public School, like the the district office? Does that make sense, Larry? Oh, it's a great question. Yeah, okay. (laughs) And and, um, we're part of the Wisconsin Association of School Boards that has uh, 242 uh, school boards on it. All the school boards in the state are part of the Wisconsin Association of School Boards. So what we, this issue of policy and bureaucracy is a universal question uh, issue that comes up universally across all all, uh, school boards. And so a board passes a policy, how is it guaranteed that it's implemented? Because it's the responsibility of the administration, whether you're in Milwaukee or any other school district in the state, to implement that policy. So you use the word seamlessly. Um, very few things happen in America seamlessly when government creates policy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's true of school boards also. So my experience has been as a school board member, to to assist <laughs> implementation. And it's not, not easy because, for example, things go in cycles. You know, something is popular in terms of education. Unfortunately, this cycle of, of implementation happens a lot in education where something is popular at a particular time. Um, but the issue is, from my perspective, for board members, their responsibility is if something is a matter of principle and they bring it forward, and it should be ongoing, they have to oversee it 
and guard it and uh, keep it alive. And um, that's just the responsibility of government as as far as I'm concerned. For example, 2015, I put forward a resolution. I brought in a professor, um, Robert Smith from Marquette. We put together a, a resolution around Black Lives Matter. This was in 2015. And it had many components to it, but it was starting with ethnic studies. And this was, remember, this was in 2015. And so we started with ethnic studies in a couple schools, but the administration, the previous administration, not the present administration, but the previous administration left it at at a couple schools for a, for a few years. And then when a new superintendent, uh, Dr. Keith Posey, came in, we, we rebooted it and met with the administration, did some, some uh, policy improvements, and now we've expanded it to a number of schools. And eventually, uh, the teaching around Black Lives Matter will be taught in all the schools. But it's, that's an example of how things just don't happen. And it's, it's a board member's responsibility to make sure that things happen. Got it. So it almost sounds like you're looking, when it comes to a, a productive or an effective board member, you're looking for someone who will, will um, has experience, you know, following through with some some implementation of something and, and sort of taking, uh, it sounds like almost like taking on projects that are like pet projects, really. Like this is something that I'm going to focus on as a school board member. And it's something I'm going to stick with and make sure it's implemented. Otherwise, it might fall by the wayside just because of the the inertia of it all, I suppose. Yes, actually, uh, you're uh, you're expressing it well. And and I don't see this as a negative. Uh, I see it as something that is just necessary because uh, there it's so complex. You have seventy five thousand students in all these schools, and we have all these different programs. Yet, how do you how do you drive something forward? I've I've sponsored all sorts of things. Yet, take for example Montes- uh, Montessori. I, Maryland Avenue Montessori is up the street from me, and I've always been since I became a board president. Not before, when I became a board member. Excuse me, um, before being president, uh, I was. Uh, approached by that community at Maryland Avenue School, and they said, uh, "Director Miller, you're going to become a Montessorian." And I'm like, "Okay, uh, uh, prove that to me." And they did. Uh, they brought me to the school. We had many discussions, and I was incredibly impressed. So even though I'm focused on every year, I'm focused on a variety of things. Always in the background is something like Montessori and many other things that I'm checking in on and and uh, in helping in every way that I can to support, but. Um, also being able to, to push forward what I'm particularly working on at, at, a, at a special time. The other thing is that there's nine board members, so the broad scope of things that get discussed is, is huge, is huge. So you may not be focused on something, but it, when it comes to the board, it'll go through a committee. And even if you're not in that committee, you can pull it at a full board meeting and uh, uh, have a full, dis- uh, a full discussion and input there. So you have access to all policy that comes forward. Got it. Thank you. So it sounds like um, the board members are the ones who are championing these ideas that are championing the students and the staff, but I'm not a parent um, or a parent of um, a MPS student. So why should folks who aren't parents care about the school board in this upcoming election? That's really a good point, Casey, because uh, there are many, many people that I talk to on a regular basis that, you know, that don't have children or their, or their children or, uh, uh, have already, um, uh, uh, left the nest and, uh, you know, they're retired, but, uh, they pay, uh, 
property taxes. And so they part of the funding for the uh, school system. I think people have to see that public education is and should be the foundation of a democracy. Our country should educate every child. And it means that whoever comes to our door and uh, our responsibility is to educate them. That's not the response. That isn't necessarily true for a private school. It's not necessarily true for a voucher school, but it is true for all public education across the country. Even a, a child, we are not allowed by by federal law, by Supreme Court rulings, to ask if a child, uh, if a child's family or if the child is a citizen, when they come to our our house. Our job is to educate them, uh, whether they have special needs or whatever it might be. That's where our children get educated. That's where uh, we create the future citizens. And that's where a democracy uh, uh, needs to be founded. That should be the interest of every, of every citizen, whether you have children in the system or not. And sort of looking forward to this election and with that on the listener's mind and, and maybe if there's anyone, any candidates who are running, who are listening to this as well, hopefully that's on their mind, the, the sort of the magnitude of their responsibility. But uh, reflecting on uh, your time on the school board and looking forward, um, as you depart here, what would you say are the, like the maybe one or two major challenges that will need to be addressed by the Milwaukee Public School Board over the next four years? Well, first of all, um, there's always the issue of funding. And uh, some people say, well, uh, we're overfunded, all sorts of stuff. But if you compare the, the uh, per, per student funding between us and, for example, the North Suburbs per student, if we got the same funding as Whitefish Bay, we'd get, um, we'd get a couple hundred million dollars more a year for our children. So when you have a public school where where 85% of your of your students come from low income 90% students of color um uh you have to you have to as a as a school board member you have to be fighting for uh funding because we know that good schooling takes money and if you go into the suburbs if you go into Brookfield uh into the Brookfield school system you look at class size, you look at the quality of equipment, you look at all those things, uh, it's better on average by far than what you see in if you look across the board for Milwaukee Public Schools. So that's that uh, has to be has to be fought for. But the issue of equity stands at the center of what has to happen for our children. And by equity, that doesn't mean everybody gets the same thing. Equity and equality are not the same thing. Equity means you meet the needs of a child. We have 15,000 students with IEPs, special education. Um, the state only funds, gives us funds 26% of the uh, special uh, education funding. So it's a mandate. So we have to, with federal and state funding, 26% from the state and the rest from federal, we only, our special ed is only funded at about 45%. So that other 55% funding for the 15,000 special ed students comes from the general fund. That means those 15,000 students, along with all of our students, lose out in often in uh, library source resources, in music equipment, in the arts, in all of the things that if you go into the suburban schools or the well-funded uh, well systems, uh, those kids have uh, are 
fully engaged in all those areas. There is an, an equity in the funding formula for the state of Wisconsin, and it's very problematic. So that equity is something that we as uh, school board members have to wage a fight for for every you know for every every single school. Yeah, and so just to uh, clarify there for listeners too, you reference the state funding formula, and you reference sort of the the revenue sources for Milwaukee Public Schools. A lot of those decisions, though, are made outside of the school board, correct? Like school board members have the money that they're given based on decisions made at the state at the state level. Yeah, correct. Correct. You have, your, you have federal funding, you have state funding. And then what we try to do, uh, we have um, about $40 million taken out of our budget every year for, for voucher schools. And so we have to replace that with, with uh, 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 taxing the property, uh, advancing the property tax in the city of Milwaukee. Gotcha. And so um, from my perspective, it sounds like uh, in addition to advocating for particular policy on the school board, um, a school board director also has to function somewhat as a lobbyist, lobbying the state government to change the the revenue stream towards uh, the Milwaukee Public Schools. Absolutely. But, um, Absolutely. We spend time we spend time in Washington with the Council of Great City Schools. We spend time in Madison with Wisconsin Association of School Boards. We have people designated to, to do this, but we do it ourselves as board members. Uh, we're constantly engaged uh, in, in lobbying. I think you did a really good job of explaining what the board members are doing, um, how they're doing it, but can you talk a little bit about who these board members are, what kind of uh, expertise they have, background, um, in order to make these decisions and keep our students, uh, staff, and faculty safe? Well, I, I think, first of all, we have to rely on science, and we have to rely on the scientists and the professionals. Um, you don't have to be one of them. You don't have to be a doctor to, you know, to, to make uh, good decisions around, around COVID. But what you expect of a board member is that they can analyze something, they can do the research, they can do the reading, and uh, they know how to engage uh, with the public uh, and listen to the public around making decisions around something as as serious as COVID. I mean, I mean there's parents that want their kids playing sports right now. So they're advocating. Uh, there's a, a, one parent that I know that I've spoken to that uh, even though our schools aren't open, they want sports to be taken care of. I said, I, how can I have students playing sports, but not uh, uh, in the schools? It, it, it's just a, a problem for me. So um, board members need to, to have to be very proactive uh, and v- very consciously be able to analyze and study these questions. Great. And this is uh, at least my last question for you, Larry. First off, thank you. Thank you for a wonderful conversation. Super insightful. Um, I I was interested in sort of who is the constituency of a Milwaukee public school board director. So when you walk into a school board meeting, who do you have on your mind? Is it the um, everyone in your district? Is it the the students of of Milwaukee public school, the, the staff, the principals? Who do you view as your constituency? Uh, Ben, uh, all of the above. (laughs) Uh, Everyone, everyone that you said, everyone's a stakeholder. I mean, you have to start with students. If you don't start with students, then, you know, you're not, and their families, because they're part of units. Um, And you have to, you know, you have to uh, look at, look at it that way. That's where you should start. But there's also uh, the staff, there's the educators, uh, 
And then there's, you know, there's the uh, a community as a whole. You have to you have to look at the education communities. You have to look at um, the business communities. You have to look at the neighborhoods. Uh, you know, all of all of these things. And so there's there are community organizations. I mean, there's just it, our city is so complex in so many ways. You have to pay attention to as as much as that as you can. The way I've done it is I've tried to focus on certain projects in certain areas and see who. Um, who centers around that. The great thing about uh, being a school board member, we have the Office of Board Governance. So they'll assist us in any way. And in, in, uh, and we have, uh, uh, I have um, two to three, the Office of Board Governance offers three meetings a year in my district. It's called Beyond the Boardroom where people can come out and, and hold discussion. But I also go into specific schools and do the same thing. And to me, that's expected of all board members, that you really want to listen to those school communities, hear what the parents are saying, but also get into the building so you can talk to talk to kids. Kids are uh, are, are brilliant these days. I, these kids today are so smart. It's just, it's just incredible. Uh, I don't know what it is. I, you know, maybe it's just because I'm getting old and and I look at it, but uh, I feel uh, elders are wise, but boy, these kids are smart. Uh, as a teacher, I couldn't agree more. Um, Casey? Yes. So our last question is to ask you about what your action steps are for our listeners. Bridges City is all about solutions, about action in our community and getting involved. So what do you have for our listeners to do um, as a way to be involved and support the Milwaukee School Board? Well, the first thing I I would have you do at this point, this is a really exciting time. I would have them try to arrange, you know, through whatever uh, structure that they wish to do it. Uh, have uh, some discussions with the, with the prospective uh, board members, people that are actually running for the school board. Uh, they can do it citywide. They can do it by district. There's just a variety of ways to do that, and then you get really get a picture of of what uh, of what people are proposing and what they're expecting of themselves if they are elected to the school board. Uh, the second thing is there are so many ways to get involved with uh, Milwaukee public schools. Um, and, uh, at this point, I mean, we still need mentors. We need, uh, people at all sorts of levels to, to connect directly with students. Now it's a little bit hard when you're just doing it remotely. It's not at the same level, but as we go in, you know, as the vaccine expands and we, uh, uh, overcome, uh, What's happening right now with with COVID? The chances of going into the fall and and uh, doing things with a particular school—that's one of the things I'm going to do when I'm off the board. I'm going to pick one or two schools and just uh, focus on that and give as much support as I can to the staff and students in that school. There's just a, a thousand different ways that that you can um, be connected um, with the system, and you can just call Milwaukee Public Schools and uh, uh, tell uh, tell the the. A person at the um, the the person that answers what you what you're interested in, and they'll connect you to an area where you can volunteer. You can do all sorts of things. Thank you so much, Larry, for that excellent explainer. I know I walked away from that conversation really having a grasp on you know what the MPS school board is and the importance of of those. Um, of this race, so thank you again. Now we are going to take a step back and talk about the candidates who are running in a contested election. Now, a couple notes, as Larry explained, there are nine school districts in the city of Milwaukee, and every two years, 
There is a election for either four of the districts or five of the districts. This year, districts four, five, six, and seven are up. Uh, districts six and seven are uncontested, meaning that they do not have anyone else running against them. So, yeah. So Henry Leonard would be is going to like be the winner for District Seven, and then Tony Baez is the incumbent, but he did not run for office again, and so Marcela Garcia Zela will likely be the winner uh, come the the general election in April. All right. And so, Casey, you had an excellent idea. Um, Knowing that we weren't going to be able to talk to all of the candidates and have them all on one episode, we decided to send the candidates a survey asking them questions about why they're running and some of their ideas for uh, some of their ideas as a school board director, potential school board director. And so we are going to read just a handful of their responses. Uh, one, why are they running for Milwaukee Public School Board? And then what's their number one priority? And then um, some of the candidates didn't fill out the survey yet. Uh, if they do, we'll have that accessible on our website. Uh, but those for those who did not fill out the survey, we'll just uh, pull a quick quote from their website or uh, any other public information about why they're running. Um, so should we start with District 4, Casey? Let's do it. All right. So we have four candidates in District 4. Um, let's go ahead and take turns. How about that? I'll start with Cheryl Hayes, who says she is running for Milwaukee Public School Board um, to collaboratively set policies to empower all MPS students to have academic success. And her number one priority is to assist in passing policy, which will make Milwaukee Public Schools the choice for more parents. So the next candidate running for District 4 is Dana Kelly. Kelly is running to ensure a quality education to children of color, providing holistic education through music, arts, and mental health support in all schools, a health infrastructure and food program by implementation of the Green New Deal in MPS, and a healthy support system of parents, staff, and students through democratization of education. Kelly's number one priority is providing a safe learning environment, especially to address COVID-19 concerns and providing resources for successful learning and teaching in MPS. She writes, this is where the Green New Deal will be beneficial by removing toxic particulate matter through improved HVAC filtration and removing lead from pipes, which supplies drinking water to our students and staff. Wonderful. Uh, The next candidate is Victor Nuag. Barocha. Apologize, Victor, for probably mispronouncing your name. But Victor uh, wasn't able to fill out the survey by the time we recorded this episode. But from his website, he says he's running for Milwaukee Public School Board because the Milwaukee community has made substantial progress in many economic and social areas, but too many indicators suggest that young people are unprepared for their future. He's running to help young people shatter the perceived boundaries of their options and encourage them to dream and reach for their full potential. Um, And then lastly, Aisha Carr is running in District 4. She also didn't have a chance to fill out the survey yet. But on her Facebook page, she says that together, uh, she and her team are committed to stomping the yard, even in the midst of a pandemic, until the Milwaukee School Board is reflective of a genuine experience, selfless, radical, and transformative representatives who aren't afraid to serve on behalf of every black and brown youth in the district. So that's everyone that is running um, in District 4. Check out our show notes for links to more of their um, their materials, their website, Facebook pages, all that good stuff. Let's talk about District 5. All right. So the first candidate in District 5 who filled out our survey is Abby Fishman. 
she said she's running for Milwaukee Public School Board because after decades as a parent and teacher at MPS, she knows the district very well. She knows what ought to be celebrated more and what needs to change to make it better. And her number one priority is to honor the cultures, histories, and languages of all students in MPS and their families. Excellent. Next up, we have Jilly Gokul Gandhi. She writes, I believe I have the life experience, enthusiasm, proven commitment to social justice and activism and broad experience in MPS schools. I have worked as a community school coordinator at Bradley Tech and in philanthropy supporting MPS STEM education. Her number one priority is ensuring the protection of our educators, students, and MPS families through the COVID-19 crisis. And then we have Alex Brower also running in District 5. He's running for school board to bring the transformative change we need to Milwaukee's public schools. He says, our public schools here in Milwaukee are under attack from privatization, systemic racism, and underfunding. He's running to fight back and drawing from his experience as an educator and community leader, he will ensure MPS provides for the needs of its students, faculty, staff, and community. His number one priority is to democratize our education system by opening up school and district-wide decision-making to our community, parents, students, school staff, and residents. Um, He says our schools need to be community controlled. He will propose a democratic budgeting process where regular people decide how to spend the district's money, a citizen policy initiative process to bring decision making power to regular people and the creation of new seats on the school board to represent all of the diverse communities in the city. Last up, we have Karee Phelps Okoro. She had not yet filled out our online survey, but on, on her website, she writes that successful school systems don't just happen, they are built. For that reason, I am working to implement a blueprint for change for our Milwaukee public school system. My blueprint is designed to improve our school system with four pillars in mind, our children, our curriculums, our collaborations, and our overall strategy for change. Um, her overall goal is a brighter future for Milwaukee. All right, Casey, a lot of people running in the primary here. That's February 16th. Big decisions to be made on behalf of the voters of District 4 and 5. Please check out our website. All the links will have the full survey responses from the candidates. We asked more than just those two questions, why they're running and what their number one priority. So be sure to be educated, get informed and make sure your friends, family, community members of District 4 and 5 vote February 16th. Thank you all for listening to Bridge the City. As always, feel free to support us on Patreon. We love our patrons who already do. You can go to patreon.com backslash bridge the city to support us for as little as $4.14 a month. But maybe if you don't want to do that, that's okay. Consider purchasing a Bridge the City t-shirt for $25. It says right on there, vote local. To buy a shirt, find us on any social media platform and send us a DM. Thank you again to Larry, District 4 and 5 candidates, and as always, our listeners. And please be sure to let us know how you are helping to bridge the city.